Cyberbullying is a problem for many young kids. The fact is that they cannot seem to escape it. Today, we're going to discuss a new resource for you to help combat this issue after I hit this music. Joining me this week is Forrest Bronson. He is a co-founder of Digital Detox. Forrest, thank you for coming on my podcast. Sam, thanks for having me. Yeah, so tell me why you started Digital Detox. Yes, actually, it's a beautiful story. My dear friend Levi started the company in 2011. We went to middle school together, high school together. And, uh, you know, it started as this live experience and event company for adults, retreats and summer camps. And unfortunately, Levi died of a brain tumor in 2017 at 32. So the company went on hold for a few years and I took it over in 2020, right before COVID. And the last couple of years, we've been focused a lot on working with schools around the world. We work with hundreds of uh, middle school and high schools to help them kind of better understand how to approach technology in the classroom, how to navigate parents going through bullying situations. We do a lot of scoring and assessments. And then just about three months ago, we launched a brand called Camp Light, and it's focused all on helping parents navigate this kind of uncharted territory with, with tech. And a lot of that has to do with uh, cyberbullying and bullying to help, help them get through those situations, not only for the, their child, but for themselves. It could be very traumatizing for the parent. So yeah, DD's focused a lot on uh, uh, scoring and assessments and helping schools navigate policy and also adults in general just find more balance. And then Camp Light's focused exclusively on the parenting space. How can we as parents be more mindful, have a little bit more balance, model better behavior, and ultimately set our kids up for success? What is that scoring about? Yeah, so we launched the Dora score about a year ago, and that started as an adult assessment. You could get it at digitaldetox.com slash score. It's a free assessment. And it's a, a, a really complex, it's only five minutes, but it's really complex math behind the scenes, essentially letting you know how much technology is impacting your life. So it's a zero to 120 score with four different risk levels. And then we since launched that, a student version of that that can only be taken through a school. So a school has to administer it, and we license that out to schools around the world. And it's a a modified version of Dora specifically for middle school and high school students to let them know how much technology is impacting their lives and then also give the school really important metrics on how different grade levels, different genders, different groups of students might be impacted and areas that they might be able to improve. When you get that score information, what does the school do with that? Do they cut some technology out? Because kids these days are surrounded by technology no matter where they go, sleeping, when they wake up, doing their homework. What do they do with this knowledge? Yeah, and, and the assessment isn't specific to all screens. It's a little bit more specific to phones and social media, right? And so we understand that, you know, just by default, kids are going to be in front of a lot of screens through the educational process, right? And that's, that's not what we're looking to gauge. What we're looking to gauge is how much social media and um, uh, active phone use is ultimately impacting mental health, physical health, et cetera. So with a lot of that, you know, it's helpful for the student because they're able to have some eye-opening questions of, you know, are they checking notifications in the middle of the night? Are they interrupting sleep? Are they scrolling before bed? How are their interpersonal communications going? And for the school, it's really interesting because they're able to pinpoint certain grade levels of problematic behavior um, from a mental health perspective. A lot of the questions on there are sentiments from students on how much they want their school involved. And it's fascinating. Over 60% of students want their high schools to provide more resources around digital wellness. So schools can then take that information. Sometimes it's grade specific and then really drill down, okay, we might have a problem with our junior year girls. How can we, you know, create more resources around mental health? 
other schools are using that to also then go to the state or other funding initiatives for mental health. Look, like here's our school-wide door score. Here's what it's showing. We're having this issue with mental health. We're having this issue with depression, um, loneliness, et cetera. Um, and they use it to go get grants. And a lot of it's awareness. You know, at the end of the day, we want schools, teachers, and parents to just be more aware of their sentiments around their students. M- m- most parents and most teachers, they, they don't really know. We, they don't ask yeah. the question, like, how are you feeling? Like, how is this impacting you? We, we come up with theories as parents. We come up with ideas. And a lot of times that's us projecting. But with this and with Student Door, they're able to hear exactly from the students their sentiments on, on how things are going. Are there schools right now that are implementing like a no cell phone policy? Like they can't have it in the classroom. It has to be in a locker or you have to drop them off at an office. You know, any schools that are doing that? Yeah, and it's across the map. Every school is different. Sometimes it's at the district level that dictates kind of what the rules are. Sometimes it's the school level. Sometimes the school have rules in place, but they don't enforce the rules. So it's a huge mess. So a lot of the work that Digital Detox does is we work with schools to kind of really understand kind of the culture and the dynamic of the students to come up with a policy that everyone's getting it on board with. And, you know, it's easier said than done because a lot of times parents in the community will disagree with what that policy is and we're there to help educate well, here's why you probably don't actually want a phone in an emergency situation, like an active shooter situation. That's, that's not a good use of a phone. That's actually more dangerous. Um, so we educate them on all, all those elements. But yeah, to answer your question, sure. Like we have some schools that we work with where they have a complete phone ban. Others where it's, you could have your phone in your backpack and you could use it during recess, but full stop, not in the classroom. And if you do, then it's confiscated. Some of them have different rules. So it's, it's across the map. I've probably seen a hundred different variations of school policy in terms of phone use. You, know, you think there'd be a way to block at least the data coming through, like turn your phone, turn your smartphone into a dumb phone so the kid can still text their parents, but you can't access Facebook, you can't access Instagram. You think we'd have that technology by now where we could, like when you go into the school, they can just shut that off somehow. No, and they do. I mean, it was, sometimes we have that, but okay. a lot of times the kids will get by it and sometimes they need it for classroom assignments. And in some cases, phones are actually helpful. A teacher will be having a specific app and um, it's uh, easier on the phone. And so they pull it out and it's part of the classroom um, lecture. So it's it's interesting. But yeah, some schools, they are you know implementing, you know whether it's a physical block or just a, a very strict policy on you cannot access social media while on school campus. Uh, it doesn't always work. At the end of the day, though, that, that's not really fixing the problem. It, it fixes the problem for six or seven hours, which is still helpful. Yeah. But um, sometimes we'll actually see an increase in binging once they get home um, because they haven't had that dopamine hit uh, during the school hour. What is Camp Light doing for parents to help educate them on cyberbullying and what tips do you guys offer them? Yeah. And, you know, kind of taking a step back, your point, you know, back when we went to school, there was a good chance that an adult, a teacher, a parent would see bullying take place on campus, right? It's a very physical, visual um, situation. And now it's, you know, in, in the, when you're alone in your bedroom at night, that's when it's happening. And it, it pretty much all cases, it's going to carry on to school in some fashion. So yeah, it's, it's scary. And, you know, for, for students, it starts at a much younger age now too. Uh, you know, we're seeing bullying situations on Roblox, on Minecraft, um, you know, a lot of YouTube early, uh, you know, if you're early content creators, a lot of uh, bullying and a yeah. lot of times that's trolls, but you know, it, it's starting at a much younger age. So in terms of Camp Light, we're here to support parents just navigate this whole dynamic. And 
In some cases, we're coaching on communication. You know, when do you approach the school? When do you approach another parent? And how do you do that? How do you create a safe environment for your child to open up and uh, be in as much communication as possible with you? How do you support your child going through that? And in other cases within Camp Light, we're, we're just connecting parents and just creating that safe space for them to share their concerns, share their situation with other parents that know exactly what they're talking about. Bowling is something that's fascinating because you know, if we're talking about anything else, screen time or learning apps, it's, it's very common you're going to talk about that maybe at the soccer field with another parent. Bowling is yeah. much more sensitive and it's usually not something that, uh, that you're as public about. So that's why we wanted to create a safe space to connect with other parents and also with experts. So is Camp Light a app they can download to connect with parents? Is that what it is? Or is it like a, like a Facebook yeah, so group? It's a full platform. You could access a desktop mobile app. And uh, we have expert-led resources on there, special events, uh, live streams, content articles, and then also discussion rooms. So picture like a private Reddit, private Facebook group, but it's uh, no ads, no algorithms, no kind of toxic uh, uh, engagement, right? Um, but where yeah. you're able to kind of connect with other parents in a similar grade group, similar situation, and have conversations and um, ask them their advice and share tips that you've learned along the way as well. How do parents approach cyberbullying if it's coming from a student from their child's classroom, but it's outside of school, so the school is not responsible for it? What's the best way to approach that? Well, the vast majority of cyberbullying will have continuity on campus. It's not exclusively off. It's almost always going to be connected, and there's been a lot of studies on this, it's always connected to an in-person event. It might not be a, a, a clear event like you're shoved into the locker, but it carries yeah. over. It doesn't end just online. And so, yeah, it's an interesting point you raise because it's, it, there's gray area and a lot of schools want to wash their hands. They don't want to get involved for the reason. Uh, I've seen do. the policies. I've seen the policies, a lot of schools' policies. So they, they say if it's not on campus, but even though we know it started on campus. It either not, started on the, campus or it started yeah. online and continues on campus. So it's, yeah. it's complicated and, and every state's a little bit different and every school's a little bit different on what their policies are. Um, but at the end of the day, like we're, we're more often than not, we're seeing schools say, you know, look, it's not our problem. You need to deal with it, right? Sometimes even if it's happening on campus, schools are just very adverse to getting involved. They don't want to connect parents. They don't want to mediate that conversation. And so that, that creates a, a complex situation for the parent. And in some cases, approaching the school can escalate the situation. So it's, I, yeah. it's impossible to answer your question because it's so nuanced on the individual. What the situation is, is it isolated? Has it going on? Who are the people involved? Where are they doing it? There's so many nuances. And with Camp Light, what we try to do is educate you on, on different parameters and thinking about things in different ways. And when you do approach, how to approach it, right? And in some cases, yeah, you need to nip it. You need to approach the school and get them involved. You need to have a discussion with another parent. Um, other cases, you need to have some more conversations with your child first to really understand the situation before you go full mama bear, papa bear, right? You need to Correct. make sure that you have the context and really understand what's going on um, so you could approach it the right way. But yeah, it's, it's tricky. And, you know, unfortunately, it puts schools in a really tricky position, puts parents in a tricky position. It puts, obviously, students in a really, really tough position as well. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I empathize with parents going through something like this. I know there's some apps out there where you can monitor your child's phone without actually, without actually having their phone. Do you know of any apps that are like a free or 
or maybe not free, but what are some best apps that parents can download on their child's phone so they can kind of monitor that situation themselves? Yeah, so that's tricky. There's a lot of them. You have Bark technologies. You have a, a bunch of other phones. And in some cases, they actually just create more anxiety, right? There's a lot of false positive reports, constant false positives where you're getting um, you know, alerts about something and your blood pressure rises and it ends up being nothing. So we're, we're not a huge fan of some of those. At a young age, that okay. could be helpful. Once they get into middle school and high school, yes, like there's still going to be a place depending on the child and the situation. But there's a lot of more fundamentals and foundation that you need to build um, first where you're, uh, I, I, I want to have a situation where my child can come and talk to me and that we could talk about some of these situations and I'm not having to constantly monitor every single text message, right? And that, that takes work. It takes work to uh, develop those, um, those practices and it needs to start at a young age. Yes, there's a place for some of those monitoring apps. Uh, I think it's beyond the scope of this discussion because I don't want to endorse any of yeah. them. Um, and I also don't want to bash any of them either because there's, there's certainly a really healthy place if used properly. Unfortunately, a lot of parents don't use it in a good way. They're either using it in an alarmist way or they're overreacting and, and ultimately losing trust with their child because they're uh, kind of turning into this big brother approach. And that's the last thing you want is to, to lose that trust. So what's your tip for advice for a parent going up to their kid to look at their phone? How can we do that respectively without, without trying to like interfere in their child's privacy? I, I think it needs to start years before they get a phone. And it's having those okay. conversations, first building that trust where they can come to talk to you about anything. Because here's the issue, middle school, high school, whatever it is that they get a phone, a lot of kids are hesitant to tell their parent about something going on, whether it's bullying, whether it's some fake news piece they saw, whatever it is, because they're afraid their parent's going to react and take that device away. And so they then don't have any open lines of communication. That's, that's the last thing you want as a parent. And so to answer your question, it has to start years before they actually get that phone and developing that trust, developing that safe space, start practicing as a parent, not reacting more, being there supportive, asking questions and being collaborative versus reacting and taking away. Right. And most parents just don't put in that time though, to develop that foundation, but it's absolutely critical answer your question like yeah it's it, 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 once they get the phone so let's say you didn't build that foundation i think it's yep. very difficult to monitor and to look at the phone without losing trust and so in that situation we advise parents to try to encourage that open conversation even if it starts later and saying look like and, and this is also key we had a, a big session on this before giving a phone is setting what those ground rules are and what you don't want is to trick the child you don't want to say okay here's your phone and then behind their back, looking at their text messages, looking at their browser history, that's a violation of trust. It's going to lose the trust and it's going to maybe in the short term give you some parental advantage, but in the long term, it's going to potentially be very detrimental. And so you want to set that tone before you actually give them the phone or social media or access or whatever it is. Like, here's our ground rules. Here's how we're going to approach this as a family. We're going to have some check-ins to talk about this, the expectations that you know, if there is something concerning that you come to us and talk about it and we're going to be open arms and we're going to you know, be active listeners. Um, but, you know, we are going to be looking out for, you know, some of these danger signs. And I think too many parents and too many kids, they, they view the phone, they view social media as this um, kind of activity device when it's really a huge responsibility. It's a responsibility as a parent to help coach on digital citizenship. And it's a responsibility as an individual, and in this case, you know, a teen or a child 
uh, to learn how to use it in a responsible way. And I think at some point I'm optimistic that a lot of this is going to be taught in schools. It's going to be just part of our curriculum, just like math yeah. and reading and uh, cultural studies are. We're going to learn digital citizenship. We're going to learn how to spot fake news and deep fakes. We're going to learn how to communicate, uh, you know, via text message. Uh, you know, so many kids, they, they, they're given this device and they have no tutorial on how to interpret communication and how to provide communication in an effective yeah. way. You mentioned earlier, there's a lot going on like with Roblox and Minecraft. In Camp Light, is there like a program or app where parents are having the most difficulty with dealing with cyberbullying with their kids? So with cyberbullying in particular, it would be for older age kids, it would be YouTube and Snapchat. Those are the big ones. Um, of course, you know, TikTok, there's going to be some stuff too, but um, Snapchat's, uh, you know, probably one of the, the bigger social media apps in terms of, of bullying, um, at least for our members. At a younger age, you know, it's again, like I don't want to make it like all Roblox is just this, you know, bullying uh, yeah. pool. It's not that at all, but there are certainly some situations that could come up. And yeah, so at a younger age, it would be uh, Roblox is a, a key point of conversation that comes up um, that we see in the forums. And with there, you know, a lot of, it, that's a great opportunity though, to kind of create that bond with your child and gives them some teachable moments. Like, look, like if you hear something or you see a comment that just doesn't feel right, let's talk about it. Let's kind of navigate through this. And that's a great teaching, teaching opportunity on how to interpret messages, how to not let things get to you, et cetera. So, uh, but yeah, to answer your question, younger age would be a little bit more for the Roblox and then also text message if they're on um, text. And then uh, for the kind of middle school, high school group, it'd be Snap, YouTube, TikTok. Um, does Camp Light have various like in-person programs across the country? Or is it all kind of just kind of contained to your little community there, kind yeah. of your app? Yeah, not, not yet. So we're, you know, 90 days in and the, the visions later this year is that we'll have uh, local meetups and local chapters. Um, but right now that's all online. The local chapters, how do you guys envision that starting? Have you guys thought of like, kind of look ahead to the future here? Um, I'm just thinking for my own community, if we have parents that want to bring more awareness to you know, their social media, their kids' social media use and bullying, what would they have to do in order to kind of start that group with you guys? Yeah, so again, we're not live with this and it's uh, in okay. uh, whiteboard form right now. And so I'll get back to you on that. Like we've had a lot of proposals yeah. from parents from around the country and you know, in some cases, they just want to have sort of an official arm and have us provide content so they could host their local meetups. And that's it. So that might be one form where, you know, if you want to be the champion of your local chapter, then, you know, we'll have a resource library to get you set up for success and you could host local meetups. That's one form. Second is we're, we're much more involved in some of the advocacy and reaching out to parents and helping form that. It, it's probably going to fall somewhere in between, but at the end of the day, like we want to help uh, foster communication within communities. And so we want yep. to create infrastructure where parents have the resources they need, the tools they need, and uh, kind of the education they need to have those conversations. So, you know, whether it's a small meetup at a home or whether it's active within the school. I want to be very clear though, like we're not anti-tech. So there's some groups out there that are, you know, very anti-tech and, um, you know, they're launching chapters for let's kind of ban technology completely in schools and and that's not us. Like we're pragmatic tech. You know, we, we think it's here. Yeah. It's not going to go anywhere. We could pretend that it doesn't exist, but that doesn't really help anyone. And so yeah. we just take a very practical approach. Let, let's look at the good, bad, and the ugly. Like what are some great uses of tech for our family and our kids? And what are some things that we need to be really concerned with and uh, put our foot down and let's find that balance. 
Yeah. Especially with AI. AI is just moving so fast right now. It's fun and it's scary, but it's a lot of fun when you play around with it. It'll be interesting to see how far we take this. Yeah, yeah. So AI is a great example. It's good and it's bad, right? You know, the case out of New Jersey with the students creating um, kind of AI porn of other classmates, horrible yeah. use of AI. That's just unacceptable. Yeah. Um, but AI is also saving lives, right? And some of the AI that we're yeah. implementing in the um, uh, medical space and um, other ways that it's enhancing our lives, it could be really beneficial. So it's, it's not fair to have a blanket statement of all AI is bad or all AI is good. It, it is it is what it is like ai is here and so how can we how can we protect ourselves against some of the negatives and some of the bad and then how can we harness it in a way that enhances our lives at the at the end of the day it just comes down to parenting you gotta parent your kids yeah well yeah i agree with that but at, also i think parents it's tricky for parents to stay up stay up to speed on, on what's going on so like chat gpt is a great example it's a huge issue yeah. in the schools. Most, many parents, not most, but many parents, they have no idea how ChatGPT works, right? And so, you know, they're, they're frustrated because it's this issue that they've heard about and it had like a lot of uh, negative press, um, but they don't even know what it is and how it works. So I, I think parents need to get more educated themselves on some of these, uh, some of these tools, you know, so they can make a, a good educated decision on how it may or may not fuse into the family dynamic. Yeah, that part I understand. But what I was getting at is, as parents, we got to teach kindness. We got to recognize kindness. That starts with us. I mean, no one's going to, you don't want someone else teaching your kid about that because they could, you know, not go the, the direction that you want them to go. But you don't want your kid to, if you want your child to behave on social media, it takes the parent to start that. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it, it takes a lot of fundamentals on, you know, what is good, kind behavior, and then a lot of education on, how to kind of balance that out. And uh, it's, it's tricky. <laughs> a lot of parents don't do that. And so you might have, you know, let's call it two parents in a, in a classroom that are doing that, but then all the kids' friends aren't doing that. And then it's friction. Forrest, if people want to get a hold of you or find more about Digital Detox and Camp Light, how can they do that? Yeah, check out digitaldetox.com, camplight.com. And uh, yeah, you could stay in touch with what we're doing. And I uh, would love to have you on board when the time's right. Thank you for coming on today, Forrest. Yeah, Tim, thanks for having me. And for myself, you can always find us at our very own website, which is www.breakingbullying.com. You can also reach out to us at our email address. If you have a story of your own bullying to share, or for whatever reason you want to get a hold of us, our email address is breakbullyinghere at gmail.com. Now, if you're a victim of bullying and you don't know where to turn, there is online resources to help you. The first is the government's very own anti-bullying website and the address is www.stopbullying.gov. And other online resource is www.pacer.org backslash bullying. Now, if you have had thoughts of suicide or of self-harm, we implore you to stop. Reach out to the National Suicide Hotline. That number is very simple. It's 988. I'm Tim Flynn, and thank you for listening. And we will be back next week to continue the conversation to break the silence on bullying.